Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Thanks as always for the stream, for the download, for the subscription. However you're supporting Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, I want to make sure that you're aware that there is an all-new way to support the show, and that is by signing up for Stitcher Premium at stitcher.com slash notsam. So here's what Stitcher Premium is. The Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is not changing whatsoever. Every Thursday morning, you're going to get the same great show. However, if you want to listen to this show with no ads, sign up for Stitcher Premium. If you want to listen to a brand new concept show that I've put together called Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Captive Audience, where I take somebody who's not necessarily a big wrestling fan and try to explain to them one of the most bizarre shows in the history of wrestling. You can watch along. We turn on the WWE Network. We watch a show. And uh, as we're watching, we explain what's happening. And I try to justify why wrestling is so cool. This week, on Monday, it dropped for the very first time. I had my wife watch Uncensored 95. You can watch along on the WWE Network. You can listen to the audio track as I try to explain to her. I try to make sense of WCW Uncensored 95. You want to listen to that show? Every other Monday, all you need to do is sign up to Stitcher Premium at stitcher.com slash notsam. It's really easy. It's five bucks a month or an even better deal is $35 a year. They give you a seven-day free trial, no problem. And not only do you get ad-free episodes of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast if you sign up, not only do you get access to all of the episodes that we do of the brand new Captive Audience Show, but... If you sign up at Stitcher.com slash NotSam, you're also going to get access to every show that Stitcher Premium has to offer. You can't lose. It's Stitcher.com slash NotSam for the premium version of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, let's get this show started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. My oh my. I think it's going to be an easy one this week. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's been a hell of a week. It has been quite a week. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot that we're going to get into in the state of wrestling. Of course, we're going to react to everything that went down on Monday Night Raw specifically how the show went. I mean, uh, I was kind of hoping that that gauntlet match would just last the entire three-hour show. And they'd go, oh, we'll give you the six women tag next week. Like, it was like, okay, we had other stuff planned, but now it ain't gonna happen. All we can do is give it to you when we give it to you because who knows what's gonna happen on Monday Night Raw. I like unpredictability like that. And when when the match goes an hour, it's like, geez, how long is this match? When it goes two plus, you're going like, oh my God, this is something insane. So... Although, you know, there is something to be said about uh, giving fair time to other matches to promote for that pay-per-view. But we'll get into all that uh, in the state of wrestling. 
so much feedback on the Booker T interview, almost all of it positive, uh, and I really appreciate that. And I think that the big takeaway from it was far beyond the drama that surrounded the Corey Graves Booker T situation and really more into the other stuff that we got into, into the uh, wrestling psychology that we got into, into what younger guys are doing and how Booker T got to where he got and how he survived in the landscape. And the whole thing I just thought was Really, really great and really, really interesting, especially to hear from a fan's perspective. Um, there was some talk about uh, uh, wrestling journalists and, and who Booker T was blaming. That's something we'll talk about in the bridge segment this week for sure, uh, because it was a little very, 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 very small hubbub. But we'll address it. We'll talk about it a little bit here this week. Now, my guest this week here on the show, I'm very, very excited to have. He's somebody that I've wanted to talk to for a long time, uh, and I've spoken to him uh, off the air but in terms of a recorded interview, that's just our paths haven't crossed. And this week, they did. This week's guest is the modern-day Maharaja, Jinder Mahal, who, regardless of what you think of his title reign, the story is fascinating. The sto- to, to have a guy to go from coming into the WWE, big guy, let's see what's going to happen with him, to not really anything happening with him, ending up in the three-man band, where really the popularity that the three-man band achieved was solely based on them. They were not put into any sort of position to succeed. And on some level, they did anyway, just because they committed so hard to the roles that they had. But to go from there to being released... He knows what that feels like. He's gotten the uh, Future Endeavors note. You know, not that many guys on the current roster do. He knows what that's like. To come back and be an enhancement guy, really. I mean, when Jinder Mahal was on Raw, he was pretty much filling the role of Kurt Hawkins. When Kurt Hawkins and Jinder Mahal got traded in the Superstar Shakeup, and Kurt went to SmackDown, I mean Raw, and Jinder went to SmackDown, I think that I and, and everybody else thought that this was like, okay, it's an enhancement guy for an enhancement guy. And to watch Jinder Mahal kind of almost immediately become a top bad guy and then go straight to the title picture, as it's really never been done before. Even even guys that were enhancement guys that end up as, as big names do not go to the title picture that quickly. So uh, it was really, really interesting, and you can't deny the improvement that gender has made over the over the last year and a half in terms of his promo in terms of his in-ring in terms of his physical everything gender seems to have dedicated himself to it so i got the chance to sit down uh and have a conversation with gender mahal uh, about everything that's happened over the last year and a half or so uh, i think he's a very very interesting guy i think you guys will too ladies and gentlemen this week on sam roberts wrestling podcast it's the one and only gender mahal and now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, surprisingly, I think, for the first time ever, welcome to the Wrestling Podcast, Jinder Mahal. What's the haps, Jinder? <laughs> What's up, Sam? Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thank you for, for, for doing this. You know, uh, I've, I've watched you have this kind of amazing rise. Well, kind of amazing career. Like, the story of you in the WWE already is this pretty unbelievable story but mainly because of how quick and sudden 2017 was for you and kind of has continued into 2018 uh when you get drafted over to smackdown for the first time because you were probably the guy who benefited from that shakeup uh the most 
uh, I would say, you know, without argument. Were you ready to get launched as quickly as you were? Were you surprised by how quickly everything happened? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, you're right, absolutely. I did, uh, you know, have a meteoric rise. Some people even call it the Cinderella, you know, the Cinderella uh, fairy tale. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's no fairy tale. A lot of hard work went in, you know, uh, starting from my physical transformation and, you know, improving in the ring, improving on the mic, and then I'm still trying to improve to this very day. So, uh, around WrestleMania time, I had seen uh, Road Dog and he said, you know, after me, uh, some things are going to start to happen. You know, I was thinking, oh, maybe like IC title, US title. Uh, I was like, oh, man, that'd be cool. You know, I'd actually be in a feud with someone rather than just being on Raw, SmackDown, you know, just like one match at a time. And oftentimes, um, you know, to make <laughs> to make my opponents uh, look good. Right. Which I'm all I'm doing, but, you know, I believe it was my time. And, uh, yeah, I was. I got drafted to SmackDown, and actually the first week we did the thing with Gronk. Uh, Mojo beat me, which that was totally cool because I, you know, it, it was Gronk. You know, he's one of the biggest uh, athletes in the world. And then the next week I became number one contender. So that was uh, like I was at a live event on the Monday the night before, and I seen on Twitter that they made a like a six way elimination match. I'm oh, sorry, a six way six pack challenge match. For the number one contendership match, I also was getting tweets like, "Oh, why is Jinder? Uh, how is he in the number one contendership running?" <laughs> and uh, I had, uh, I was like, "Oh, who's probably Baron Corbin? Maybe he goes with Randy." Someone says, "No, Corbin's not even in the match." Uh, <laughs> like, who's going with Randy? I can't, I can't remember who it was. I think maybe like Luke Harper or something. He's like, "He's you." I was like, "What? I'm working Randy?" And that's how I found out. And Randy came and he's like, oh, "I guess we're gonna work together." I was like, "Oh yeah, man, awesome." So we did the six-pack challenge match, and it was in Kentucky. And then when I, uh, when the Singh brothers popped up, and I pinned Sami Zayn, man, the crowd was like, I've never been <laughs> booed so loud. Uh, I think it was one of those moments, like along with when I won the WWE Championship, it, it really shocked the uh, the crowd, the WWE Universe, and it's not every day that you get to do that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but uh, I believe I was ready, you know, and uh, I had improved so much, and I've continued to improve, you know. It's just not my goal just to be a one-time champion. You know, I have held uh, the WWE Championship, but I look forward to holding it many more times along with all the other championships. You know, I want to be U.S. champion. I want to be Intercontinental champion. I want to be tag champion. And I want to hold the WWE Championships, uh, all of them. I want to be here for a long, long time. You know, I'm 31 years old right now, so I believe like I haven't even hit my prime yet. I think my prime is still yet to come, and I, and I believe I can be, you know, one of the top stars in WWE uh, for a long time, you know, I'm I'm there mentally now, I'm there physically, uh, you know, I have the confidence now, and I just continue to improve, and, you know, I have a great relationship with Vince and Hunter and everything, you know, and, you know, they're oftentimes the first people that I go to for advice. So, uh, you know, everything's going great, and uh, just looking forward to what's next. So is that one of those things, like, you know, you talk about the confidence when you realize that it's going to be you and Randy, and then after that, it's going to be you, and not for a night, for a full-fledged, like, no, 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 we're going with you, you're going to be the guy. Like, even if you think, like, ah, oh, you know, I'm ready for this, I wish they would just give me a chance, like, mentally, how do you go from being that guy who's like, I'm ready for this, I wish they would just give me a chance to, oh, Jesus, they're not just, they're giving me the chance, like, they're out of nowhere, like, this is happening, happening right now. You must have to, in an instant, just completely snap into it and go, okay, it's, I, this is it, this is the opportunity, I have to start going. Uh, 
absolutely be careful what you wish for because you might just get it right <laughs> but uh, here's one thing that like oh i wish i had a chance and, you know everybody says they're like oh man i wish i would you know uh be in a main event or i wish i could be in the pay-per-view or i wish i could challenge for the championship but you know when you're actually in that position uh and you've never been in that position before it's, it's, it's stressful man it's uh, <laughs> it's uh it's challenging luckily uh we had a two-week european tour so I never, I, I had a couple of matches with Randy, like in tag matches, like when I was at 3MP, like real quick, like two minute matches, taking RKO here and there. Mm-hmm. But um, luckily enough, so I never had like a, a match with Randy, like a real match. And luckily we had the two week European tour coming out. So for two weeks, I was uh, in a triple threat match with AJ Styles and Randy Orton. And I learned so much in those two weeks. Uh, Arn Anderson was a producer and it's it's uh it's a different ball game when you, when you're in the main event like um man those guys are just so established and they get reactions very very easily whereas when i was in pre- preliminary matches like we got to do so much so quickly just to get a reaction because uh you know the people aren't that emotionally invested into us so even like changing the style from being a um you know like superstars and, main, and the show main event every week to all of a sudden I'm in the main event of, you know, live events on a European tour, main event of SmackDown, main event of a pay-per-view. You know, it's a huge uh, difference in style, too. So, uh, like, I had to change my style. You know, you, uh, uh, you know, I could take my time, <laughs> take my time more. And, you know, I, I see, like, uh, I see things differently now. Like, I watch my ma- match back and I see how it's recorded, filmed, like, uh, you know, when I take a pause and I make a, you know, I pull a face, and, you know, they zoom up on the uh, on my face. You know, that's when, that's how people get emotionally invested. You know, it's not about all these moves. I mean, a lot of times it is, too. I understand, you know, it's that's the evolution of the business, and, you know, a lot of people are into that, too. But, you know, I've been watching guys like Randy and Cena for a long, long time, like these top, top guys, and, you know, I, I see the style that they work in. It's a lot different than the style that I was working in, like the first, second, third matches, you know, I would work like Neville or Sin Cara or something like that. And, uh, you know, so I had to change my style, too. So uh, it was an awesome learning experience. And luckily, I had great, great teachers. And I continue to work with great guys. You know, I got to work with Randy, who, who I believe is like the smoothest in-ring performer yeah. maybe that there's ever been. Like, uh, a lot of people don't understand. Like, I understand because I worked him. And that Randy is like on a whole other level. Uh, guys like Cena, AJ Styles, man, AJ Styles, I've learned so much from working. He's just such a good baby face. Like, you just got to give him time to sell. You know, he, he's slowly getting up, boom, down again. And, like, the crowd, they, they uh, he might be, like, one of the true last, last uh, baby faces that there is left. And I believe I'm one of the true last heels. Like, you know, there's only a handful of, of true, true baby faces and true, true heels left. But uh, it, it's cool. It's an interesting dynamic. And, uh now I'm uh, intertwined with Bobby Roode right now. He's another great performer, another great uh, you know veteran. He's been in the uh, in the industry for years, and uh, we got Fastlane coming up. And hope, I'm, I'm hoping uh, you know to to get another shot at the United States Championship. Uh, but I know Randy is <laughs> is involved in the storyline also, so I'm interested to see where that goes. But I definitely want to uh, become United States Champion, and you know WrestleMania is right around the corner too. So. You know, everybody's bringing their A game. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just that time of the year, you know, you can sense it in the locker room, you know. <laughs> everybody's on. Well, it's so, it's so, there's a couple of things that I think were really interesting that you just said. Number one, it kind of seems like even, no, ma- no matter who you are, 
you can think that you're ready all that you want, but you really have no idea whether or not you're ready until you get there because based on what you just said, it's like once you get there, it's this whole new game that you could never have known until you actually do it. Um, and the other thing is the idea of like true heel and true babyface because that's what I was thinking about with you uh, when you were talking about how loudly you got booed is something that a lot of guys have come on the show, a lot of the older guys have come on this show and talked about is that there are far less people now that are comfortable with heat, that that you find a lot more people don't like the heat. I don't want to say can't handle the heat, but just don't don't want it. Don't don't they don't like it. They don't they don't want to be booed like that. And you seemed like to me, as somebody who's at home watching, a guy who was always good at living in those booze and taking on that role. Does it, did, when you would get, when you got that big boo reaction, when you first became the number one contender, and then you start getting booed throughout, and you're getting, you're doing promos on SmackDown every week, and just boo, boo, boo. Does it feel great? Does it feel like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be that bad? Does it, like, like, how does it feel? No, no, I love it. Because, yeah. You know, that's the type of, uh, that's a, that's the stuff that I grew up watching, you know, when there was true, true heels, and like the heels didn't do any flashy moves, you know, they just punch, kick, and grab the hold. Uh, you know, that would make me cheer for the baby face, which is ultimately the goal, you know, but uh, I have no problem doing it. I, I think, you know, like, with social media nowadays and uh, and everything, like, you know, deep down, like, we all want, um, you know, like, to go on social media and everybody praise us, but, you know, I have no problem. I, <laughs> I'm a heel, you know, I don't need everybody... <laughs> You know, you know, I kind of like reading like, oh, like, like Jinder Mahal, worst champion, or what, what or whatever. You know, it, it's cool. It's, uh, it don't bother me. You know, you know, I was world, I was WWE champion, uh, and, and I'm a heel. I know, and I and Vince likes it. You know, Vince likes old school heels. That's how WWE got to where it is right now, based on that. Like, you know, early like, uh, you know, he had such great heels, like guys like Yokozuna, Iron Sheik, you know, uh, and, and on and on. But um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's kind of like a throwback. You know, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing it. It don't bother me getting, getting heat or getting booed. Uh, you know, I, I fans know it's, it's entertainment. Just, uh, sometimes they take it a little bit too, too seriously. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just encourage everybody, you know, just enjoy it. Like, I don't, I don't go to the movies and, uh, you know, like try to like disinfect <laughs> the film, like all oh, yeah. this actor did a good job or a poor job, you know, comment on the director's I, I, I work rate. I, yeah, yeah, I just go in, you know, enjoy myself. I lose myself in uh, uh, in the movie, and you know, I think that's what uh, what WWE is all about too. Like our true, true passionate fans. Like, like man, I was at like a live event yesterday, and there's like a granny in the front row, like like, like giving me the finger. You know, I love that. <laughs> you know uh, I, I think it's definitely cool. And I would imagine too that no matter how bad the tweets get, a compliment from Vince McMahon has got to trump you know, a hundred thousand negative tweets from anonymous eggs, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, if you like, if you look up Le- LeBron James, mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, LeBron sucks, LeBron sucks. Uh, number one basketball player in the world, maybe the greatest of all time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I don't worry about that too much. Like, it's almost uh, like, I mean, I've heard this before. Like, if you don't have the haters or the doubters or the naysayers, you know, like you, you haven't made it. Yeah. Like, that's, that comes with the territory. That's what comes with being successful is, is, uh, you know, that side. And, um, you know, I just use it as motivation. I use it. Like, I want to prove people wrong. You know, I, I want to be here for another 10 plus years and I want to establish myself as one of the greatest of all times. That, that really is my goal. 
you know, and I work hard at it every single day. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it is what it is, but I need that for motivation. Like if I was just getting praised all the time, you know, maybe I might become complacent, become lazy or, you know, so it's almost a good thing. So you've, you've lived through being released. You've lived through being a guy who's more there just to enhance other guys, uh, over on raw and stuff like that. When you, Lose the WWE Championship, which again, I mean, I feel like you losing the title was just as sudden as you winning it in the sense that it just felt like all of a sudden this match that was being built up with Brock Lesnar, we're now going to change at the last minute and we're going in this direction and and Jinder's not going to be the champion anymore. Was any part of you going like, oh no, what if they're done with me? What if they're like, did you have that insecurity as a guy who lived through all these other things or were you confident that the performance that you had put out as the champion would allow you to basically be where you're at now, not the champion, but yeah. still one of the top heels in the, in the promotion. No, 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 I wasn't worried at all. Like a lot of people say like, Oh, you got the point. Uh, you got the push, you know, you got the push. No, I get the push. I made the push. Right. Right. So, uh, I, I believe every, every WWE superstar is in charge 100% of his own destiny. You know, and it's up to me. You know, you drop the title, you win the title. That's that's part of the storyline. And you know, that match I had with AJ. Even though I lost the title, it's like I lost the match. I really did win. You know, I had an awesome outing, an awesome match. Came back. You know, got a big hug from Vince. You know, thanks Vince. And I actually took. So before I even became number one contender, like as a, it was like one of my goals, I would tell Vince, "Hey Vince, I'm gonna be your guy one day." I used to tell him this. So when I and the same thing when I when I lost the title, I said, "Thank you, Vince. I'm gonna hold the title again." I didn't ask him, like, hey, I'm going to hold it again. I told him, I said, Vince, I'm going to hold the title again. <laughs> Which is, I mean, and, and I don't know. He, he likes hearing, yeah, he likes hearing stuff like that. And I think people need to realize how amazing it is for you because I think now if people hear you saying hey Vince I'm gonna be your guy people might go like well yeah Jinder's like one of the big guys there that's but people really yeah. need to put it in the context of where you were before this whole thing started where you were in like 2016 for that guy to be like hey Vince I'm gonna be one of your guys like that is that's balls that's confidence that's 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 a big statement yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I was like wrestling Darren Young on Superstars every week when I when I was telling Vince like that. that <laughs> I wasn't in, uh, I wasn't even on like Raw or, or SmackDown every week. So I know I'm I'm in charge of my own destiny. I, you know, I, I will get the title back. It's just uh, that's what WWE is. You know, the storylines get fresh and other guys are in the mix. Like when uh, when I was WWE champion, guys like AJ Styles, he was in the United States Championship mix. So I'm in that mix right now. Like. I hear people like saying, "Oh, that's a demotion or something like that." Are you falling down the card? No, it's not. I, you know, it's, it's the United States Championship. I'm still on SmackDown. You know, uh, on the live events, I'm just still in a in a main main spot, and that's up to me to to maintain that level. You know, maintain that level of performance, and uh, that's 100% up to me. If you see me fall down the card, it's my own fault. You know, if I'm staying at this level, it's because of you know the hard work that I'm doing, and I ultimately will become WWE champion again. You know. Uh, I 100% believe that. So you weren't really listening to the people when you were champion that were going like, well, you know, Jinder's just champion because they're trying to move into India and they just want the, they yeah. just want him to be that guy for India. Yeah. So India was still there when I got released. <laughs> you know, India was there for a long time. Uh, uh, India was there when I first debuted. You know, India's been there the entire time. And, you know, WWE went to India while I was released also too. 
Yeah. You know, they didn't bring me back and and make me. So you know, everybody says that that's that's okay. They can say that. You know, they can say whatever they want. I wasn't even WWE champion when they went to. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it, it's fine. It's, it don't bother me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand it's a business and they do whatever makes money. India is their largest market, and uh, you know they're they got uh, Indian guys in developmental right now. Uh, you know, they're like some people even tweet me like, oh, you, like Mahabali Shera from. Uh, from uh, the other world of uh, of wrestling, just got signed, and you know some people are like, "Hey, are you jealous?" No, I, I actually helped him. I actually put him in touch with the people. He actually came and stayed with me for a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for, he actually stayed with me for a couple of weeks uh, while I was number one contender before I won the WWE championship. So, no, not at all. You know, I'm not, not jealous at all. I want to see all of us rise because uh, you know India, they love WWE. I got to see it firsthand. I went for the media tour. You know, I, I can't go anywhere there. Like, it's, uh, I'm not, no WWE superstar. You can't just roam around there. Like, it's, it's too much. The fans are just so, so passionate. And, That's amazing. You know, it's their number one viewership comes from there social media, Twitter, uh, uh, YouTube views. It, it, India's number one. So, at the same time, yes, it is business, but India was there when I got released. They went to India before I was, before I was, uh, uh, brought back, you know, uh, India has been number one for years. Like when Kali was champion, uh, you know, India has been their number one market. How much influence did you have uh, over the character as Jinder Mahal and the presentation around Jinder Mahal started to develop? Because as much as you're right to draw the parallels between some of the old school heels of the day, the Iron Sheiks, the Yokozunas, I felt like uh, you, you, and and you still are. Uh, it's a much more full picture of uh, what a, what a, a superstar from that area of the world would be. It's not so stereotype heavy. It's not so like, well, here's our kind of you know ignorant understanding of what it would be. It, it this character feels far more um, I don't know, culturally uh, educated. I don't know if the, but I I think you know what I'm saying. How much of that did yeah, yeah. did you have to do with? Because uh, I I mean you must have some some pride in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's just it's the modern day, so I got to be a modern day Maharaja. Uh, <laughs> you know, like for example, when the Singh brothers, when when I won the number one contendership match, when they brought the Singh brothers early in rehearsal, they're like, "Hey, what are these guys gonna wear?" They had like their tradi- like stereotypical Indian-looking outfits. I said, "No, no, no, a dress pants, dress shirt." Uh, you know, this is better for for now. Like for what it, it has to be realistic. It can't be hokey. Right. So. Uh, yeah, I have some input, but also, like, the WWE, like, guys like Road Dog, Vince, Hunter, especially, you know, these guys are very in tune with what, what, you know, is still modern, what still works, but will still get heat, and will still represent the India, so it's, it's, a, it's a mix of everything. Um, but, yeah, definitely, it's just, uh, I don't think one of those, uh, if, like, one of those old, old school, like, stereotypical would work nowadays, yeah, Just I don't think with, so. Like, internet and social media, yeah, it would uh, it would be a little bit tough, but it, it's cool. You know, it's an interesting spin. But you know, what are the characters going to be like in like twenty years from now or thirty years from now? You know, it's going to be co- some something completely completely different. Well, you you flirted with that a little bit in the uh, in the Nakamura uh, uh, rivalry when you were actually, and this is what, what what surprised me. I've never heard people chant "You're too," uh, uh, that's too far. Like, how do you, as a performer, like, you know how to go with, like, cheers, you know how to go with booze, but in the middle of your thing, when people are like, that's too far, are you going, 
Are you still, are you in that character and going like, okay, if that's too far, then that's good? Or are you going like, oh, maybe yeah, we just went too far? No, no, I, I think I even said like, oh, really? Did I go too far? <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, it was, you know, it was, uh, yeah. yeah. It, but it's weird. Like if someone was saying that about me, the crowd wouldn't be saying that's too far. Like, I promise you that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I did May have been a little too far, but uh, we found out, you know, and, and uh, you know we can adjust. But uh, and it was, I it, don't think anything we said that was too too bad. And it was kind but, of interesting uh, that the the hook of that to me was that you were saying what people say about you. You know what I mean? There was there was this kind exactly, of there were layers exactly to what was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually wanted to like the next one would be about that. Like, hey, listen, I'm not saying anything that you people don't. You right. know, you don't say, or you people don't say about, you know, you people don't say about me. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's also, you know, nowadays you, we don't want to offend anybody. That's also what WWE is about. You know, we're, we're ultimately just about entertaining people, making people happy, putting smiles on their faces. You know, we don't, I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, you know, I apologize if, if anybody got offended by that, but you know, it was just done in an entertainment, uh, fashion and it was just done to, uh, you know, uh, fuel the rivalry with Shinsuke Nakamura and build towards that match. But, you know, me personally, like, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to do anything offensive. But it's interesting uh, because the, the way the industry works is, like, your goal is to go out there and, and present yourself in a way that people want to see you get beat up, right? Like, that's that's the whole yeah. that's the whole shtick yeah. behind it. So um, what do you think of, uh, you know, because after Ronda Rousey, get signed and shows up at the Rumble. In the last few weeks, people have talked about uh, Gronkowski coming back and maybe doing more with WWE. Is that something that that you'd want to be a part of, like, immediately? I saw your your, oh, your tweet go yeah, out when Gronk did not win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Man, I would love a match with Gronk. He's, he's one of the most recognizable athletes in the entire world. Uh, it's like... I'm all about more eyes on WWE, the better. I want WWE to be even bigger. Uh, more people watching WWE, WWE having a you know bigger presence in, uh, in pop culture, period. Like uh, online, YouTube, everything. I want, uh, you know, I want us to be on SportsCenter, uh, all of that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys that hates on these people or someone comes in from a different industry or something. Uh, you know, I, I love it. Like, Gronk doesn't need to come to WWE. You know, if if he's in WWE, it's because he wants to. You know, he, he he's passionate about it. He loves it. He, you know, he do, he don't need it. He can do whatever he wants. It's Gronk. You know, uh, so yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, I would love a match with Gronk at, uh, at something like WrestleMania. I think uh, I think someday it might actually happen. Uh, I know he uh, he's a big fan and he's super super athletic and uh, uh, like the thing with elite elite athletes is like they're looking for challenges. You know they they want to like test themselves, and I could see Gronk wanting to be like, hey, listen, like, I want to see if I can do this because being a WWE superstar, putting on a WWE uh, match is not easy. Like it's not. Uh, some people might underestimate it, but uh, I think uh, Gronk would be a good uh, WWE superstar. He's obviously very very athletic, world class athlete, but and it would bring a lot of exposure to WWE and a lot of exposure to myself. Do you feel similarly to Ronda Rousey? Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I'm super pumped for Ronda Rousey to be in WWE. Uh, and I, I'm also genuinely, like, the fan in me wants to see it. You know, I'm genuinely curious to how it's going to pan out, how who's she going to feud with, how's it going to, 
you know, what's the reaction going to be like? I, I'm especially excited to see what the reaction is going to be like when she comes out in Vegas, because Vegas is a huge, uh, you know, a, a fight scene. So I'm interested to see that reaction. And uh, no, I'm, the more crossover media uh, attention we can get, I'm all for it. And uh, obviously, Rhonda, she has passion for the business and everything. I think she's going to do awesome. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the matchups, the fresh matchups. Like, I just heard against someone like Asuka or Nia Jax or Charlotte, Natalia. I mean, I'm excited to see all these matches. On the, on, uh, on the way out, what are you, in the last, like, year or year and change, what are you most proud of? Like, is there a single moment? Is there a single match? Is there a single angle that you're most proud of that you think you pulled off uh, really, really well? Um, yeah, I'm proud of holding the WWE Championship for six months. Uh, like, nowadays, uh, oftentimes championship reigns aren't that long. But, uh, you know, I held the WWE Championship for, for six months. That's what I'm most proud about. And, uh, you know, everywhere that I went, I represented WWE well. Uh, you know, that's the thing with being WWE Champion. Also, you, you're representing WWE, and they got to have a lot of trust in you. Whereas, like, a younger me, a more immature me, like, you couldn't give me that responsibility. I would have done something to mess it up, probably, or, you know, uh, been late or missed something. And I was, I'm in a totally different mental spot right now. I'm mature, you know, they, they can send me to somewhere to represent WWE, and I'm going to represent them well. I'm going to represent myself well. I'm going to represent the WWE Championship well. I'm just proud about that, that I held the WWE Championship for six months. And in my opinion, I, you know, I represented WWE very well and represented myself very well. And, uh, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to regaining that WWE Championship. Well, you can see uh, Jinder, of course. Uh, check WWE.com for dates. But all the SmackDown uh, live events that are in your area, I would recommend uh, going to check them out and seeing Jinder do what he does now at the level at which he's performing now because it really is outstanding, especially on those live events to, uh, to see you do what you do. But SmackDown, everybody knows, Tuesday nights on, on USA. And uh, I guess uh, Fastlane would be the next pay-per-view, but it's, it's uh, after Fastlane, single-branded pay-per-view. So hopefully, gender will, will continue to rise and rise and, and have spots on all those pay-per-views because I would imagine it's going to be a tougher thing. Yeah, uh, but ultimately it's up to me, and I'm going to yeah. make sure that I stay on them. Well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. Thank you to Jinder Mahal. You know, one of the things that Jinder has done so well is pay attention to his nutrition and the food, what he's putting in his body. It's a weird time that we're living in because food is changing. I don't know. I, I, I find it very, very difficult to trust a lot of the foods that a lot of grocery stores sell. I just never know what I'm getting. Thank God there's ButcherBox. Let me tell you about ButcherBox. They deliver healthy 100% grass-fed and finished beef free-range organic chicken, and heritage-breed pork directly to your door. It's like you get terrified watching all those Netflix documentaries. Well, ButcherBox is here to quell, to calm all of your fears because all of their products are humanely raised the way nature intended, totally free from antibiotics and hormones. Plus, each box comes with at least 8 to 11 pounds of meat which is enough for 24 individually sized meals. Think of them as the neighborhood butcher for modern America with five different box types, including all beef, beef and chicken, beef and pork, the mixed box, and the custom box, which lets you choose all of your own cuts. It really is an amazing thing, and this is why I want you to order. Because for listening to this podcast, you can order now and not only get $10 off, but I'm gonna get you free bacon. That's right. 
Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is giving you bacon. All these other podcasts, they have, oh, you can get this, you can get that. I'm giving you bacon. You don't need to do anything for it except order ButcherBox, and there's bacon for you for free. How are you going to turn it down? $10 off, free bacon. All you have to do is use the code ROBERTS at ButcherBox.com. You can cancel any time without penalty, so just give it a try. Plus, by taking out the middleman and purchasing directly from a collective of ranches, ButcherBox is able to offer a price of just $129 a month, which, gets this, get this, it works out to less than $6 a meal. And shipping is free anywhere inside the 48 states. That's ButcherBox.com, offer code ROBERTS. ButcherBox.com, offer code ROBERTS. Order now and you're going to get $10 off plus free bacon. Free bacon. If that's not enough to get you to check it out, I don't know what will be. ButcherBox.com, offer code ROBERTS. $10 off, free bacon. Thank you to ButcherBox. What a great company. Uh, Let's get on with the show. Here is Sam Roberts. Oh, so yeah, I hope that helped chronicle the remarkable journey that Jinder Mahal has been on. And I'm very, very interested to see what that guy does going forward. It's a difficult thing to be boosted all the way up from 0 to 100, right? To go from enhancement guy to champion in a relatively short time. Now that he's not champion anymore, like he learned how to be a top guy as champion. This is the first time we're seeing Jinder as a top bad guy without a title. So say what you want about the title reign. I think that this chapter in Jinder's career is going to be one of the most interesting. But, you know, I mean, if the guy has the confidence to go up to Vince McMahon when he's wrestling on main event and superstars and tell the guy, hey, I'm the next big thing. I'm your next guy. More power to him. I don't I don't really see him failing anytime soon, but we'll see. We'll see in this crazy, wacky world of wrestling. Whoever knows what's going to happen. It certainly happened last week uh, when I had Booker T on the show. So, of course, there was a lot of chatter about the um, fake beef between Corey Graves and Booker T. As it turns out, this uh, war of words that was started on Booker T's radio show was, I mean, it was it was called a work. But it's not a work in the sense that, okay, we're fooling you guys and the end game is X. It's just a couple guys goofing around. It's just Booker taking the piss out of Corey on the air and Corey going like, oh, okay, if everybody's going to get this this worked up, let's just go with it. There is no end game. It's not like a traditional wrestling work, right? And one of the commentaries was talking about the amount of people who reported on it, right? It wasn't so much about, oh, you fell for it. Because if a fan fell for it, if a fan thought there was legitimate tension between Booker T and Corey Graves, you can't, I I, I would say nothing wrong with the fan. You know, if you lie to somebody and the person believes your lie, then it's not fair for you to turn around and be like, why would you think that that's true? Well, because you told me it was true. So of course I thought it was true. The criticism was more in the people who are called journalists who were reporting as if it was fact that this was indeed real and that there is real tension between Booker T and Corey Graves and and all this is going on. Now, one of the names, Dave Meltzer, was a name that was brought up a couple of times, uh, pretty much by Booker T, uh, in that conversation. And it came up a little bit on Twitter, I think, on Monday. uh, And I think Meltzer might have taken a little shot at me on his Twitter, but I didn't really take much offense to it because... I don't have any, any, I think Dave Meltzer's great. Like I've been a Wrestling Observer subscriber for a long time. I, I listen to what he does. I read what he does. I think he's great. I don't read it religiously, 
you know, but when I have time, when I'm just sitting around the house, it's a nice thing to kind of scan through. I love going through old stuff. I love going through the old newsletters and getting, you know, like how, because it gives you a context for not how is this being looked at through a historical lens, but how was this looked at at the time? Uh, Now, the, the, the issue is with the word, first of all, so I guess uh, Dave Meltzer and a couple people who are fans of Dave Meltzer took issue with the fact that Booker and I credited Dave Meltzer with saying that this was legitimate, the heat was real, and blah, blah, blah. Now, Booker said that to me. I had no reason to think that Booker wasn't sure or wasn't accurate. When he said that, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I, here's the thing. I'm not a journalist. This isn't a, a wrestling journalist podcast. This is a guy who's a big wrestling fan who also happens to be the last professional broadcaster. And I come on here and I have conversations with wrestlers that I record because I think that you'll enjoy them. And then I give my opinion on what's going on. There is no no journalism whatsoever. I would never claim to be a journalist, even a reporter. Like that's just not, it's not what I do. It's not what I want to do. It's not what I intend to do. It's not what I claim to do. So I, if I didn't fact check properly, then I guess I'm, I, I'm not going to say I'm sorry because I'm not a fact checker. Like I don't, that's not why we come here. But Dave Meltzer says that he did not at any point say that the Booker T, Corey, Hay, Corey Graves heat was real. So Booker said he did. Meltzer says he didn't. If Meltzer says he didn't, he didn't. And uh, sorry if it came across like he did. Um, there is an issue though with this idea that, with, just the, with the general idea of wrestling journalism. And I still think that that's up for pretty critical debate. I think that, and, and you know, as you know, Wade Keller would probably describe himself as a wrestling journalist. And I love Wade Keller. I have him on the podcast all the time. He's one of my favorite people to talk to about wrestling. But in my personal opinion, I, I, I think that, that uh, talking about wrestling and wrestling websites and dirt sheets and things like that, perfectly legitimate form of entertainment, perfectly legitimate way to make a living. If that's what you do, perfectly legitimate websites. I don't have any problem with dirt sheets existing. The issue is the phrase journalist and the, the, the concept of journalism. Journalists go to college for journalism. There is a, a code that they abide by. They, when, they, when they do interviews and they, they take notes, everything needs to be fact-checked. There are editors. There's a responsibility that goes with being a journalist that does not allow you to report on rumors and does not allow you to assume truths based on your expertise. If you're a journalist, you're not assuming truths based on your expertise. You are finding the truth with evidence, that being a uh, reliable source, an eyewitness, something like that. Or it's not a it's a, or it's an opinion piece. Uh, so I, I I think that the idea is not even so much for me the dirt sheets. I am perplexed that the places like, and again, I'm not mad about it. I love that Sports Illustrated and Forbes and and all these news, quote-unquote news sites are posting about wrestling. I hope they continue to post about wrestling forever. But I do think it's funny that you can go onto those sites and get dirt sheet news, which is not necessarily news. It's rumors. It's, well, I heard from this guy, I heard from that guy. My sources are anonymous. And by the way, if, if I'm wrong, that's just because things change. I know because I've... Since being in WWE, I've I've heard and seen things and then read them being reported throughout various news, quote-unquote, wrestling websites. 
and they're either wrong or they're half true or they're way late behind what was actually going on or whatever it is. You know, that that happens all the time. And I don't mind wrestling rumor websites. I don't mind dirt sheets. I like Mike Johnson too from PW Insider. I like a lot of these guys. I read the I read the quote unquote dirt sheet websites all the time. And I don't say dirt sheet websites to insult anybody because I don't think they should be insulted. But I do think that and I would love to do it on this podcast if anybody has an issue with it. We could have a real conversation about what is journalism and whether wrestling journalism is really journalism and whether wrestling journalists are really journalists. I think that they, I mean, these guys work their asses off. Ugh, they're not lazy. This isn't due to a lack of trying, but I just don't know. Like the same way no fictionalized television show could have real journalists because the information is so heavily protected. When it comes to sports, it's a more open thing, right? Like the news that is reported on the journalism, if you're a sports reporter, it's, it's a real living, breathing thing that people have access to. With professional wrestling, it's closer to a TV show in the sense that information is, is, is tightly controlled and most of what gets out there is intended to get out there. And when you're when you're reporting on stuff that benefits somebody, like you know that when 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 you report on something that somebody on the inside told you, but there's a high likelihood that the reason they told you that is because either it benefits them or it kind of craps on somebody they don't like or whatever it is, then that's not journalism. That's just like, "Oh, guess what I heard." And I'm fine with the guess what I heard world. I love that world. I'll read about that world all day, but it's different from journalism. So that was my only thing, and uh, yeah. and But but again, I'm not discrediting any of those people because I'm also not a journalist. I'm just a guy who talks about this stuff the same way same way everybody else does, I suppose. So that's, uh, that's about how I feel about that. Now this week, in the top five stories in the state of wrestling, not a difficult thing to go down. Uh, a lot happened this week in, in our world of pro wrestling, and I think it's about time that we get into it, huh? State of wrestling time. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. State of Wrestling time. The top five stories, according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, uh, here in the world of sports entertainment. And we'll start with story number five. Story number five. And by the way, we are on Facebook Live. If you want to participate in the Facebook Live, go to facebook.com slash notsam. Like my page and... Uh, be ready sometime in the late afternoon on uh, Wednesdays because when I record this thing, I do it on Facebook Live. So if I'm reading some comments, that's where they're from. Story number five. SmackDown needs a shot in the arm and it needs a shot in the arm bad. SmackDown is so hit and miss these days. You know, it, they start by having really compelling stories. Like the Shane McMahon-Daniel Bryan story started so compelling but they will just go weeks without anything happening. You know, I, I the last two weeks on SmackDown, I felt like, and it used to be, I would sit through Raw with my computer open because it was so long. And I'd go like, okay, I got it. Like there'd be a moment or two on Raw and I'd be doing other things, but I get it, right? And then SmackDown, it's like, oh, this thing's moving a mile a minute. There's a hundred things happening. Now the last, at least the last two weeks, maybe more, all the news, everything noteworthy has happened on Raw. 
And SmackDown is just kind of chugging along. I think the real issue, the real issue for SmackDown, and I'm not, I don't know if this is the people in charge of SmackDown. I don't know if this is Vince McMahon. I don't know who makes these decisions. But the real issue with SmackDown is it has become a B show because it continuously borrows things. It borrows premises from Raw. It, it, every time you see something, I was shocked that SmackDown did not open with a gauntlet match this week. I mean, every time something gets announced on Raw that's kind of outside the box, it ends up on SmackDown too. It started, and I don't know, somebody must just have, you know, an affinity for this at the moment. It started with the Riot Squad. So Absolution debuts on Raw. And then the Riot Squad debuts on SmackDown. And like in my mind, and we talked about it then, I'm like, the only way this works is if the Riot Squad is actually associated with Absolution. Like, there's this group of six women that has decided to invade both brands because otherwise, it's just a knockoff. It's a little bit easier now. That's the only good thing that's happened since Paige has not been able to compete because Paige not competing is a huge blow to the women's division. But the only positive thing is that at least now Absolution is a tag team with a manager and Riot Squad is actually a three-person faction. But still, I mean, Paige comes to the ring with them. They still come off like a faction. So you go from that. You have, you know, on Raw they announce, oh, you thought Elimination Chamber was going to be six-person. It's going to be a seven-person Elimination Chamber match. That's right, multi-person match and more people than you thought. One day later on SmackDown, hey, that triple threat that you thought we were going to do is now a five-way multi-person match. And even though it's not inside a chamber, it's clearly parallel thinking. It's the same thing that's happening on Raw. And you can do that. But the issue is that SmackDown is always a day after Raw, which means all of these ideas, it's like I think these ideas are thought of over the weekend. And then it's like we want to implement them on Raw and SmackDown. I came up with this idea. Both brands need to be executing this. This is what the WWE should look like. Okay, fine. But guess what? If you're going to implement it in the same week, SmackDown will never get the upper hand. SmackDown is always going to be copying Raw. It's always going to be a poor man's version of Raw. With the premises. This is, this is, this is. Because you got Sami Zayn who's doing the best work of his WWE career, in my opinion, as heel Sami Zayn, although it's been muted as of late. The uh, the interactions between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn don't make sense at the moment. Like, they're not compelling because it's like, they're not really not friends, but they're not really friends. Like, they, you got to do one or the other with these guys. They're so good, but they're just floating in this gray area. But you've got Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in a main event spot. This should be amazing news. You're building towards a Nakamura-AJ Styles match. That should be amazing news. The tag team division on SmackDown is better than just about... I, the, the resurgence of the tag teams on SmackDown has been just as big a story, in my opinion, as the resurgence of the women's division over the last couple years. The idea that every time a tag team is written off, they just show up. And this started with the Usos. Every time a tag team is blown off, they show up on SmackDown and new life is breathed into them. Whether it's the Usos to begin with, whether it's uh, 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 the Bludgeon Brothers actually working, which they are, whether it's the Fashion Police getting over with their vignettes, whether it's Gable and Benjamin, who a minute ago we'd be like, okay, they're over here. Whether it's Rusev Day, I mean, they're creating megastars in the tag team division. People had written off Gable 
because they were like, okay, for whatever reason, Jason Jordan's going to be a single star on Raw. Obviously, they're just throwing Gable with Benjamin and whatever. Even though we saw these a couple of amazing singles matches with Chad Gable, we're going to throw him with Benjamin and it's going to be whatever. And guess what? It wasn't whatever at all. It was amazing. It's been amazing. Every match they have. Yet, you can't tell me you, you're excited about another New Day Usos match. While it's going to be a great match, we've seen it before. I believe that SmackDown will get better as we lead towards WrestleMania because there's, I mean, egads of potential for SmackDown to be better. Egads of potential. There's so much talent. There's so much room for creativity. The storytelling has been so good, but it's almost like they're taking a break. It's almost like they're letting Raw build up the Elimination Chamber. And while that's happening, they're just kind of taking a break and just kind of sitting, staying put. And they're going to throw together a Backlash pay-per-view. And then after Backlash, I mean, not Backlash, uh, Fastlane, unless they, unless after Elimination Chamber they spend a couple weeks super building Fastlane, which could happen, they're going to throw this thing together, the last single-branded pay-per-view, which we'll talk about later. And I, I, I still, I have faith that the ramp-up to WrestleMania on SmackDown will be good. But SmackDown's going through a dry spell, man. My number five story of the week is that SmackDown desperately needs a shot in the arm. And that doesn't mean in terms of talent. That means in terms of creative storytelling and uh, and vision. I mean, I, I feel like there needs to be something on SmackDown. Somebody needs to be there going through that show and going, what are people going to be talking about? After every WWE show, there should be at least, I mean, you've got three hours for Raw, two hours for SmackDown. There's no reason why you can't have at least two segments that people are going to be talking about tomorrow morning. And I don't know what you had on SmackDown this week that is really going to leave people talking tomorrow morning. You have good matches. But, you know, I can't even, I can't even go over the Shane McMahon-Daniel Bryan feud anymore because nothing's happening there. You know, nothing's happening. And that's an issue when, I mean, only a few weeks ago, there was at least something happening. And a few months ago, there was everything happening. But at the moment, nothing's really happening. And you've got a roster of performers that can make something happen every single night. So I, I think that that's the shot in the arm that SmackDown really needs. Yeah, you got Timmy saying... Dolph was a bad guy, walked away with the U.S. title, and now is back and is a face still still using the record scratch. I don't understand Dolph Ziggler at all. I don't understand this character whatsoever on SmackDown. Why did he leave? <laughs> why did Dolph leave? Was it just because he needed to get a haircut? I don't know why Dolph Ziggler left. I have to know why Dolph Ziggler left. I don't know why he spent weeks doing bad entrances. I don't know why he left. I don't know why he returned to the Royal Rumble and then disappeared again. And I don't know why he's back now. I don't know why he's fighting for the U.S. title when he had it already and he just threw it down. If I was general manager of SmackDown, I would say, Dolph, I am never giving you a title opportunity again because the last time you got a title opportunity, you won and then you left us in the lurch and, and we had to do a, a tournament for the thing. Why would Daniel Bryan ever give Dolph Ziggler a title match again? Why would Shane McMahon ever allow Dolph Ziggler to have a title match again? Dolph Ziggler, that should be a story, though. 
Dolph Ziggler should come back, act like he's got all this ego, and then Shane and Daniel Bryan, the one thing they agree on is that Dolph Ziggler has to go to the way back of the line. Dolph Ziggler should have to go through the entire SmackDown roster before he finally gets a title match at WrestleMania. Dolph Ziggler should have to beat everybody. Everybody. It should, I mean, imagine that. If you spent a month and a half all of March, half of February, a month and a half saying Dolph Ziggler has to win every match before he'll get a title shot. And he gets met with the impossible. He's got to beat Luke Harper. He's got to beat AJ Styles in a non-title match. He's got to beat all these guys. And some of the things, you could have Kevin Owens interfere and Dolph Ziggler beats AJ Styles, but Dolph wins. Dolph's got to beat Kevin Owens next week. AJ, maybe AJ interferes, maybe he doesn't. But you've got Dolph Ziggler having to win matches every single week against the top talent. It starts with not the top talent, but it goes all the way to the top to the point where we're like, no way. I don't care if you have to bring Yokozuna back from the dead. You you pull up surprises. Bob Backlund shows up and Dolph Ziggler's got to beat Bob Backlund. He's got to beat wrestlers every single week. And when he finally, finally makes his way back up to the roster, then, then and only then, he finally gets the United States title shot against Bobby Roode at WrestleMania. Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, that whole thing can be happening over here leading to WrestleMania. But Dolph, and he's in a world title match. World title. He threw down the U.S. title. He should have to start from the bottom and work every single week. And Shane and Daniel Bryan should let him know, if you lose one match, one match, you will never get a title shot again. One match. And then he gets his one title shot at WrestleMania. One, and all if he loses that title match, that's losing one match. That's the culmination of a month and a half build of Dolph Ziggler. At least then you care about the Dolph Ziggler matches. Make him answer for what he did, as opposed to just brushing it under the rug. That's what I would do. I would sit there and go like, okay, why? You know? I mean, somebody said in the, they never explained anything about Dolph's character, and that's why he's not getting any reaction. People are confused. All of us want to like Dolph Ziggler. We've always wanted to like Dolph Ziggler. That's been the issue. Dolph Ziggler was the original guy who was getting buried. Oh, they're burying him because we're cheering for him too much. That was Dolph. He was the original. He's the OG of that. But now, what are you cheering for? I don't know if he's a good guy. I don't know if he's a bad guy. I don't know if he wants to be here, you know? And whether that was supposed to be a storyline or not, when he walked off, he's back now. So make it a storyline. You know, you got to do something. You got to do something on SmackDown. And I hope that something starts to happen soon because it can. It can. And there's no excuse for it not to be. Uh, Let's go to number four. Number four. Speaking of stuff happening. Look, William Ellis says Vince needs to let go of SmackDown and just control Raw. Raw was great last this week. Raw was great on Monday. I don't. I'm, I you, I can't sit here and blame Vince like I know or like any of us know. We don't know what the issue is. But Raw's been good, and there have been times when SmackDown's been really good while Vince is in control. Like you can't just say every time something bad happens it's Vince, and every time something good happens it's Road Dog and Triple H. We don't know. We don't know, man. You ain't got the answers, Sway. You ain't got the answers. We ain't got the answers. 
All we can do is sit there and react to the TV show and say, regardless of what the answer is, you cannot tell me that somebody looked at that episode of SmackDown on Tuesday and said, what's the moment that people will be talking about on Wednesday morning? I Put my name in there. What is the moment on SmackDown that Sam is going to want to put in the state of wrestling? What moment on SmackDown makes Sam's top five stories? Because I had to narrow it down on Raw. I have to do an amalgamation for Raw. SmackDown, the only story is that there's no story. Okay. I think you understand what I'm saying. Number four uh, is the All In Show. And CM Punk. CM Punk getting courted for the All In Show. Now, Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks was, uh, was... Tweeting with him, with Punk, you know, saying, you know, something about him being all in. And then Punk tweeted out, CM Punk tweeted out, you know, people are keep asking me if I'm going to be all in, one of two. And then he wrote yes, but then put up a graphic of the Chicago Cubs saying all in or something like that. And so it was, you know, it was his way of saying like, aha, gotcha, gotcha, Marks. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think CM Punk will wrestle at the all in show. I don't think for a moment that CM Punk will wrestle at the All In Show. I just don't think he'll wrestle again. I think, but I don't think that's going to be the place to do it. I think he'll make an appearance. If I had to predict right now, if I had to put money down on something, I would put money on CM Punk making an appearance. CM Punk cutting a promo on somebody. Maybe CM Punk interfering in something. He won't wrestle a match. I don't think he's not going to put the tights back on. But he'll come out in his jeans and a CM Punk T-shirt. From ProWrestlingTees.com, the same place you can get Sam Roberts t-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Maybe he'll come out in a Sam Roberts t-shirt. I don't know. But I think I think he'll be there. If I had to put money down, I have no inside information on it. I think he'll be there. I think he'll cut a promo. I don't think he'll wrestle. That's what I think. Uh, it seems like he's teasing, says Kenneth. Can't help but wonder if it's for a reason. You know, I think... It's for a reason, but the reason is that he likes the Bucks and he wants to he wants to just help him promote this thing, you know? Like wrestlers are just dudes. You know, that's like we go back to the Corey Graves Booker T thing. There was no reason that Corey Graves and Booker T were screwing with each other. There was no reason why Booker T and Corey Graves were doing that. There's no there's no bigger reason. It's just like, "Oh yeah, this is funny. Let's just do this." Same thing going on with uh, with CM Punk and Matt Jackson from the Young Bucks, I think. There's no real reason. I just think that when push comes to shove, when we finally get there, hopefully it's in Chicago. I don't know where it'll be. I have no idea. But when we get there, I think CM Punk will be in the house and will do something, but I don't think he'll wrestle, and I don't think he'll put tights on. Uh, he'll be there to give a pipe bomb and a GTS, LOL. I don't know if uh, he'll do if, even do a full GTS, but uh Yeah. Al Barbado says, hey, Sam, any way you can get on the Jericho Wrestling Cruise in October? Tell Jericho you want me on. I'd love to do the Jericho Cruise. Let Jericho know you want me on, and we'll work it out. Uh, number three story of the week. Single-branded pay-per-views are official. I know this was a story of la- in last week's State of Wrestling, so it's cheap of me to bring it back up. But yes, it, it, it should be noted, uh, single-branded pay-per-views are officially happening at least for the rest of the year. I would say that that's a, a, that means that that's what we're doing from now on. Um, and, and they sent out the schedule too, I think. 
and we are back to one pay-per-view a month. Which honestly, like for me, I wish there were pay-per-views every week. The only reason I want pay-per-views every week is because I'd get to do a lot more pre-shows. I would get, there'd be, if, if there was a pay-per-view every week, there'd be a kickoff show every week. And then you'd have Sam on at least twice a month instead of once every month or two. But that's me being very selfish because I like doing stuff with WWE. In reality, in terms of programming, one pay-per-view a month is fine. And it will make the pay-per-views a little bit more special, I think. Um, it'll put a little more pressure on the storytelling because it's going to make those spots a little bit more difficult to get. But it's going to be one of those things where I don't, I would hope that it doesn't just turn into the undercard can never get on a pay-per-view. I think it'll be one of those things where Roman Reigns isn't going to wrestle on every pay-per-view, which again will make the pay-per-views even more special. Miz won't wrestle on every pay-per-view. AJ Styles won't wrestle on every pay-per-view. I don't think you're going to have a universal title and a WWE championship match on every pay-per-view because I, I, I've read like the rumors and stuff. I don't think that there's any way that every pay-per-view becomes four hours. I just don't think that it's it's going to happen because I think that the WWE still wants to make a big deal out of certain shows. I think that the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series, and maybe Money in the Bank, the shows that have takeovers attached to them, ironically, generally speaking, uh, and maybe that's, it's not ironic at all, it's purposefully, um, but those shows are the big shows of the year right? I think those are going to be your long shows as they have been. But those are also the shows that could potentially be in stadiums. That you got your WrestleMania that's always going to be in a stadium. Next year, Royal Rumble is going to be in a baseball stadium. You know, those are big venue, big deal shows. I still think your your Helena Cells, your Extreme Rules, whatever shows that they're still doing. Uh, I Backlashes. Those are still going to be three-hour shows in an arena. Like, you're still going to have, in my opinion you're still probably going to have a difference between your big five and your other pay-per-views. And I think that that goes to both counts. That goes to wanting to make it special, right? That that, that goes to this, the same reason why you don't want to have 20 pay-per-views a year, 18 pay-per-views a year, whatever it is, is the same reason why you don't want every pay-per-view to be four hours. Three hours is long enough. You don't want every pay-per-view to be four hours. You know? You want WrestleMania to feel like it's very, very special. Making a show four hours plus pre-show means that, you know, like, you're talking about shows that have gone, you know, I think WrestleMania went about seven hours. Might have been more. What did it start at, like, special start time at seven, pre-show at five, yeah, and it went to almost midnight. It went almost seven hours, WrestleMania. You want, including the pre-show, which is almost five hours, you want shows to feel special. You want to tell the audience, hey, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, you're looking at four hours for those shows. Hey, WrestleMania, you're looking at upwards of five hours for that show, plus two-hour pre-shows. On the, on the shows that I just mentioned, two-hour pre-shows. They're not doing two-hour pre-shows for Backlash. Doesn't, you're not gonna, what are you going to do for two hours? What are you going to do for two hours talking about Backlash? Unless you're going to fill the pre-show up, but I just don't, I don't think that they're going to try to make up because it would also defeat the purpose. The purpose of having less pay-per-views is honestly less matches on pay-per-view. You, you, there, you can't try to, you can't do less pay-per-views but make the pay-per-views longer so you can have the same amount of matches and think that you're not going to have the same 
effect of making your audience weary of being like, okay, that's enough, you know? So I still think beyond the big four or maybe the big five, if Money in the Bank is going to become that, you're still going to have three-hour shows. Uh, I think it's just got to be done really, really delicately in terms of what happens. You know, I think that some of those shows, you absolutely, you cannot have every single show headlined with a Raw main event. You can't. AJ Styles has got to headline some shows. SmackDown has got to headline some shows. They have to, you know, to make that brand seem relevant. It can't seem like these are Raw pay-per-views that we let SmackDown on. Now, I would also imagine that because this year's Survivor Series was specifically branded as the one time of the year when Raw and SmackDown compete in head-to-head competition, I still believe that you will not have Raw and SmackDown competing on these pay-per-views. It's going to be a Raw match, a SmackDown match, a Raw match, a SmackDown match. The only guy that's working every match is Corey Graves because he's just on every show. Other than that, it's the Raw team, it's the SmackDown team. And I think that, that is, that's the way to do it. Um... You know, I think it'll be interesting. Um, I think it is the way to go. It's the only way to go, really. It sucks because I get that WWE really wants to separate those brands. I just hope that this doesn't dilute the brands. I hope that we don't go back to this thing where it's like, oh, by the way, Raw is now a super show and SmackDown talent will be here too. And like, it's so easy for the brand split to mean nothing. I think that even when brands are sharing a pay-per-view, you have to keep them as separated as possible. Separated as possible, you know? And still make it so the Royal Rumble is special because we usually don't see Raw and SmackDown guys fighting. Survivor Series is special because it's Raw versus SmackDown. That type of stuff can still remain special. And I think that's 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 really... That's the way to do it. That's the only way to do it. Uh, Greg says, I think they need the big four. Uh, then do specials uh, such as Saturday Night's main event and house show specials. Well, I, I, I think that the idea of doing fewer pay-per-views than 12 a year is never going to happen. I don't think it should. You know, I think 12 is the right number. One pay-per-view a month is what people expect. It's what UFC does. It's what WWE did for a very long time. It's from 1995 is when they introduced In Your House. And from that point on, it was a pay-per-view every month. I do think that there is room to do Saturday night's main event every now and then, maybe every couple months. Do a, a televised house show every couple months. You You can use the network to televise specialty shows that are brand exclusive and do them on a Saturday, do them on a Wednesday, you know what I mean? Do them on a Wednesday, make them fun. I I, I think that really use the network for all you can use it for uh, because I think you've got potential to really, that it, that's also how you're going to display your talent. That's also how guys, Rusev Day, who maybe isn't making a pay-per-view but is like one of the most over things on the brand has the opportunity to do this. You know, I think that uh, I think that it's important. All right, let's go to uh, the number two sh- uh, thing, the number two story. Somebody says they're worried that Corey Graves is going to burn out soon. I don't know. He hasn't yet. He's been doing this for a while, and he hasn't yet. Samuel says would love to see an MSG house show on the network. I would too, but uh, apparently it's very expensive. So I don't know if we're going to uh, number two show. I mean, number two story of the week here on State of Wrestling this week. And this was a big one, and this was a surprise. Jeff Jarrett, that's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T, that's double J, Jeff Jarrett, 
is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Jeff Jarrett was a big part of WWE uh, in the mid-90s as a country music star, Double J. Uh, that was a that was a big thing. And then, uh, and, and, and it was. I mean, he never, he was the Intercontinental Champion. He never got anywhere near the, the World Championship. But, you know, I really think that all of us who were watching wrestling back then kind of fondly remember Jeff Jarrett. He was one of the best mid-card bad guys. The gimmick worked and you hated him. And I, I, I always got bummed when he left the company because the spend my days working hard on the go, that whole storyline, and I am sorry for stealing that. That's pure gimmick infringement from Bruce Pritchard. But that whole storyline I thought was great. I remember watching that with my parents, and my mom was like, he's lip syncing. And I was like, Mom, this is actually Jeff Jarrett singing. That's the whole premise of this pay-per-view, only to find out that the roadie was performing for him. Oh, my God. And that never got paid off, really. Never got paid off. Jeff Jarrett ends up coming back, has some time where he's not great, you know, not very memorable. NWA Jeff Jarrett just didn't work. But don't piss me off, Jeff Jarrett, when he came out with the guitar and uh, Deborah McMichael and all that stuff. Don't piss me off. Love that Jeff Jarrett. Bad guy Jeff Jarrett at the end of his WWE run was great. And then, of course, he had amazing main event success in WCW. He went on to become one of the founders of TNA. Like, he disappeared after he left. One of the few guys who never came back after he left in the late 90s. Um, but went on to really make an impact, pardon the pun, in the world of pro wrestling in general. So... I think he absolutely has a spot in the Hall of Fame. He's not a headliner, but I think it actually makes him a bigger deal because it's such a surprise. You know, I think it actually makes him an even bigger, even closer to a headliner because people didn't expect it. Because there was always talk. So the story goes that when Jeff Jarrett left WWE for the last time, he was owed money by Vince McMahon. Uh, he was the Intercontinental Champion. And he says, hey, I didn't sign my contract. You know, we just let it run out. It happens. But guess what? I'm leaving. I don't have a contract tonight. It's run out. You guys weren't aware of it, I suppose. So I want all the money I'm owed in one check right now. And then I'll go out and lose this match to China and lose the Intercontinental title. But I want the money now. And whether it's money that you're owed or not, you don't hold up Vince McMahon. The Ultimate Warrior found that out. Jeff Jarrett found that out. So Jeff Jarrett does that. As as legend tells, you know, I could be very, very wrong, and people can come on and say, actually, Sam, here's the story, and I would love to have them on the show. But that's the story. And when, when Vince McMahon buys WCW and they do the simulcast between Raw and Nitro, he looks at, a, at, a, at Jeff Jarrett on the TV, and he makes comment about how he used to spell his name when he was in WWF, J-E-double-F, etc. And then he says, I got a new way to spell his name tonight. And that's F-I-R-E-D. He's fired. And it was like, whoa. And you think like, oh, maybe this is just a bit. Maybe they're setting up towards something bigger. Maybe Jeff Jarrett's going to come in. Never came in. Never. He was the one guy that never came in. Um, And I think that people believe that to be real, real heat. So uh, it's uh, really interesting that Jeff Jarrett is coming in, and you wonder what his role is going to be. First of all, we can speculate on a lot of things. Who's going to induct Jeff Jarrett? In my opinion, Road Dog has to induct Jeff Jarrett. 
I mean, I guess, you know, who are the people that he really worked with? You know, Deborah McMichael, I guess, could induct him, but that's, isn't that his ex-wife? Wasn't he, wasn't he, maybe he wasn't, I think he was with her in real life. I don't remember. But either way, like the Stone Cold stuff, like I just don't see Deborah coming back to WWE at all. Um, so if you worked with Razor Ramon a lot, you know, unfortunately, uh, I'm sure Owen Hart would have been the guy, but God bless his soul, rest in peace. Um, so I, I would think that the Road Dog is the only logical choice to induct Jeff Jarrett into the Hall of Fame, unless you have somebody from later in his career come out and do it. I, I don't see, I don't see who the other choice is. Yeah, some people are saying uh, uh, Beetlejuice. <laughs> now Howard Stern show should induct Jeff Jarrett. Poor Jeff Jarrett. I saw that everywhere on Instagram. Jeff Jarrett's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, and and while fans are trying to highlight his uh, his career. They play the clip of him having a confrontation with Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show on Nitro. Uh, Ryan is suggesting Jeremy Borash uh, inducts him. You know, I just don't think maybe in real life, you know, I'm sure that that would be a fit as I've, from my understanding of reading the internet, Jeremy Borash is a part of the company now. I just don't think it has that oomph. It's not that it doesn't have that, that quality of I'm watching it. I paid for a ticket to see this, you know? Um, even though I'm sure, you know, Jeremy Borish will celebrate him. And some people are saying it's because, uh, WWE paid for Jeff Jarrett's rehab, maybe, or maybe, you know, it's probably part of that. Uh, Sting is being suggested. Kurt Angle is being suggested because of the TNA thing. Could be. I could see Sting probably before Kurt Angle. I don't think Kurt Angle's going to do it, but I, I would probably put my money on Road Dog. Um... Do you think WWE will start to add people like Jeff that we don't expect to shake things up a little? I think they've been doing that every year. You know, I think uh, Kurt Angle was one. I think Ultimate Warrior was one. Um, Sting was one. You know, they're, they're, I think they try to do that regularly. I think WWE wants, and, 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 and Triple H and Vince McMahon, like they see the future for this company. WWE wants to be the curator of wrestling. WWE spent so long branding themselves as WWE and sports entertainment and not saying wrestling because they wanted people to associate it with WWE with the brand. They wanted wrestling to be associated with WWE. Makes it a strong brand for what it is that they do. I think that they're now going a step further and seeing, you know, the the future of this, the the ability to curate content and get it out to an audience, uh, the value in having copyright, branding, uh, merchandise for all these guys that have been retired forever. I think WWE just wants to own wrestling. And so I think that that's part of it. I think that they want to tie up their loose ends, the people that uh, are important to the history of, of sports entertainment. I think WWE wants to make sure that they they come to peace with them. And I think that that's a really healthy thing that WWE is doing. I think that that's a, that's a really, really cool thing. And it's a it's a positive direction that the company is moving in. So, uh, And I think if anybody is going to own wrestling, I think it could be trusted with WWE because they have the means to take care of everything. It's not going to get lost. It's not like they're going to start a project and it's going to fall through and all this stuff. Even Shane McMahon wasn't expected to come back. Let's be honest. Um yeah, so I think uh, Rob Stevenson says, who's going to be the celebrity uh, this year? Um, I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, how about a WWE podcast from WWE? Then to stay up to date, I listen to this one. Tell WWE you want me to be the official WWE podcast. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, all right, let's get to it. The number one story this week on the state of wrestling is the gauntlet match that started Monday Night Raw and the MVP performance of Seth Rollins. I mean, how amazing. When you're watching that, and I went through all these emotions. It gave me the feels that match did. Uh, I went through all these emotions of sitting there going like, okay, uh, you know, I saw how long Seth and Roman were going. And I'm like, did they just go like a half hour? This is a seven-person gauntlet match. What are we doing here? I said, okay, I'm assuming that Seth went an hour. He got the pin over Roman Reigns. He got his rub. He pinned Roman, and they had a 30-minute great match. John Cena's probably going to come in and squash him. Seth Rollins goes on to beat John Cena? Crazy. Crazy. Blew my mind. Really, really interesting what's happening with John Cena now in terms of the amount that he's losing. I kind of am loving the story. Not loving seeing this guy lose, but just loving this idea that he's not the top guy anymore. Ever since Roman beat him, he has not been the top guy anymore. So many stories were told in this match. Here's why this match was so important. Number one, it proved that if there's good wrestling for two hours straight, the fan base is going to latch onto it. And I mean, it was done. It was done perfectly. The the cut-ins with Renee interviewing the people as they as they were eliminated from the gauntlet match in the uh, uh, picture in picture, so that you, the match was still going on, but the story was still being told. And then the stories that were being told in the ring. You went from uh, uh, Roman Reigns to proving his thing to Seth Rollins coming out and showing everybody why he wants to be. Uh, you know, I don't want to say Mr. Monday Night, that's RVD's thing, but why he wants to own Raw again. Seth Rollins in one match proving himself as somebody who deserves to still be a headliner. You've got uh, Elias coming in and being uh, the heir apparent, being the future. You got The Miz coming in. Then you remember that Finn Balor is in this thing just kicking ass. And then Braun Strowman comes in and just cleans the whole thing up. I wouldn't have been at all disappointed if this match had gone a whole lot longer. I wouldn't have even been remotely disappointed if this match had gone a full show. I just thought it was really interesting and ballsy. I also respect whatever writer came up with this idea because it enabled the writer to just write one-hour show. It was like, okay, first two hours, this match. And then let me just write this last hour real quick. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like figuring out like uh, you can just write... Okay, we need your your essay to be 600 words. And you just write, really, 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 really good. Except that sentence is one of the most exciting sentences you've read in a very long time. It got me amped up about the Elimination Chamber. It got me amped up about all the stories that were being told. As I said, you got all these guys. And it reminds you, in my humble opinion... I don't believe that we have ever had an Elimination Chamber match with this much talent in. And you guys are going, yeah, dude, because it's usually six people. It's the first time at seven. Got it. I just mean the, 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 the amount of people who are amazing at what they do. The, this roster is so jam-packed with talent. I've really never seen anything quite like it. I don't remember. I mean, you talk about how much talent 
was going on in the Attitude Era. But you've now got a match with seven guys. All seven are legit main event level guys. All seven could and should go on to main event pay-per-views within the next 365 days. And you could make an argument for other guys to be going in. By the way, all this stuff going on is only half the roster. It's only the Raw brand. When you can fill a seven-person elimination chamber match, all main event guys, all top guys in the world, and you still got a whole other brand of talent over here, we have never seen a roster have talent like this. Like, And it really drove it home when there wasn't one guy to come out in that in that gauntlet match this week on Raw. There wasn't one guy that came out and made you go like, okay, that all right, let's get rid of him. Not one. Like, you couldn't believe the star power. Any gauntlet match that can start with Roman Reigns, John Cena, and Seth Rollins and then continue to go for an hour after that without people losing interest, I mean, that's significant star power. That's incredible. You would think that, that, that starting with those three would just completely blow your load, but it didn't. It didn't. The longer the match went, the more people were into it. And I know I'm not the only one that wanted it to go longer than two hours. I would have liked it to have at least gone like two hours and 15 minutes so it didn't seem quite so scheduled. But beggars can't be choosers. I couldn't believe that it went a full two hours, just about. Obviously, it's the longest match in the history of Raw. Might be the longest match ever in WWE. And while you do have to put an asterisk on it because seven people, you know, one at a time, it's not exactly one guy going that long. It's still like, it's ballsy to take your marquee show, your number one show, Monday Night Raw, where you pay attention to the ratings every week and say like, okay, from the hours of 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., primetime television, we're going to do this one match and we're going to keep everybody hooked to it. And they did. They really, really did. I was super, super impressed by it. You know, and that, yeah, I see, I see you, Kane, um, there in the, in the chat right now going, what about Miz and Finn Balor? Three stars. Two stars, whatever, how many, however many stars. You talked about it as if it was a positive thing. It was an amazing thing. It was all these matches. It made me really excited for the Elimination Chamber because it, it reminded me of all these possibilities. And as I'm watching, I'm going like, oh, oh, wow. So now it's now it's it's Elias and Finn Balor. But imagine if John Cena had stuck around and it was Finn Balor and John Cena. But it, then he beat him. Imagine if it was Elias and John Cena. But imagine if it was Elias and Braun Strowman. Like, you realize how many different combinations there are and how we're not even mentioning Roman Reigns. And by the way, I think the reason that we're not... Roman Reigns is not being highlighted as much as everybody else is because he's going to win the match. I think they're, they're, you know, making sure that everybody gets stories told because Roman Reigns is winning this match, whether you like it or not. What's beautiful about this is any of those guys, if I said any of those guys was going on to WrestleMania to face Brock Lesnar, you wouldn't be disappointed. Except maybe Roman Reigns. Isn't that ironic? Most fans would not be disappointed by, by any of them. If I told you Seth Rollins is going, you'd, you'd, flip, you'd flip your lid. If I told you Elias was going, just out of pure like, oh my God, what are they going to do there? You'd be excited about it. If I told you Miz was going, you'd be like, really? Miz? This is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun buildup. Finn Balor, you're like, that's the match I wanted at, Wrestle, uh, at Royal Rumble anyway. 
That's fantastic. Braun Strowman, you're like, this Braun Strowman headlining WrestleMania? I love it. Any of those guys would make a great pick. And that's not something you see at every Elimination Chamber. Most Elimination Chambers, you've got like three guys that you're like, yeah, it's going to be one of those guys. This, you had to add an extra guy. And it's still realistic to think that anybody could win. It's an amazing, amazing time. Travis Taylor is saying, I want Lesnar versus Cena at WrestleMania. You know, Travis, it's not like it's that crazy to think that that could happen. Lesnar versus Cena, it, it could, yes. The story makes sense that Cena actually wins and goes on to have to beat this guy who's beaten him badly before. Cena, in order to prove he's still got it, has to beat Lesnar. That could be the story. It, it is a story that makes sense based on what's been told. All of it makes sense. That's why it's so brilliant. That's why it's so great. Lawrence uh, Vaughn says, uh, your top three guys were the final three. Sam, they're listening. Hey, man. What did I tell you? Ms. Braun Elias. It's the future of WWE. Ms. Braun Elias. You know, you've got Finn Balor, you got AJ Styles, you got these guys as the present Finn Braun. I mean Elias Braun and Miz. That's that's your future. As I said last week, Roman wins the title at WrestleMania. Give him a couple months, drops it to the Miz. Finn ba- uh, Elias wins Money in the Bank. Miz wins the championship. Braun Strowman goes on to beat the Miz at WrestleMania for the championship. Hey man. I see it. I see it. And by the way, if you have this story where Miz and Braun Strowman are headlining WrestleMania next year, you can have Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar next year at WrestleMania with no title on the line. Why not? We can finally have our match. So many possibilities. Uh, I see Victor saying he still wants John Cena versus Undertaker. You know, they've hinted at it. John Cena doing his WrestleMania speech a couple weeks ago where he says uh, WrestleMania is where legends come back from the dead. Could happen. Could happen. I still want to see my Elias John Cena match at WrestleMania. That's my preference. Tony says he wants to walk with Elias. Yes. 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 So those are my top stories. SmackDown needing a shot in the arm. CM Punk being courted for all in. Single-branded pay-per-views are official. Jeff Jarrett is in the Hall of Fame. And the gauntlet match goes down on Raw. I appreciate all of you for listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast this week. Don't forget, if you want to listen to this show with no advertisements and if you want to get the exclusive captive audience show where I make uh, my wife sit down and watch Uncensored 95 and you can watch along with us, then you have to subscribe to Stitcher at stitcher.com slash not Sam. Subscribe to Stitcher Premium, stitcher.com slash not Sam. We appreciate our new sponsor, ButcherBox, being a part of this thing. Don't forget to visit ButcherBox. Put that code Roberts in and you're going to save $10 and get free bacon. So much going on in this here world. I'm looking forward to Elimination Chamber. We'll be back next week to break down everything that happened at Elimination Chamber as well as a whole lot more. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. 
The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.